Welcome to Audio Drama Showcase, part of the StoryForge Network. I'm Scooter Ma'am, and with me are... LJ, where are my glasses? Danelle. Verity St. Marie. Austin on the spot, Travis. And Max Baskin. Okay. Don't forget to check us out over at Patreon under Legends with Productions. This show is brought to you thanks to the loving support of our wonderful patrons. Today, we'll be listening to Still Lives, which premiered in March of 2019 and was created by Colton Flick, James Curie, Sarah Schneebly, and Rionach Robson. Colton and Jamie had previously worked together on the magical history of Knox County. When the show officially ended, they knew they wanted to work on something else, so they made a list of people that they wanted to work with and started by emailing their two long-shot picks. Both of them wound up being pretty interested, so they started writing. Rionach pitched Still Lives, including the title, character names, and first episode synopsis pretty early on. They all loved the idea, so they picked it as their very first project. This episode is called The Quiet, and it was originally published on March 4th, 2019. And now, a word from our sponsor. These days, things are difficult. Chenerion. At Chenerion, we're working to make things better. Chenerion. With innovation, observation, and good old elbow grease. Chenerion. So if you encounter something that's annoying or difficult, just tell it no. Chenerion? We're Chenerion, telling the troubles in life a firm and assertive no. Okay, let's get started. Hello, thank you so much for listening to our show. Before we get started, I want to let you know that we're sponsored by Tapable, an entertainment app that brings together the magic of narrative podcasts and short films into one coherent and really amazing experience. You can download it on the App Store for free right now. And if you listen to our show on Tapable, every episode comes out one day early. That's T-A-P-E-A-B-L-E. Tapable. Check it out. You hear that? Nothing. Birds are gone, river's quiet. I think it's gonna snow tonight. I can't wait. You know how the first snow feels every year? You wake up a little too early and it's quiet in that particular way. And you just know. And then you walk out and the edge of the forest is sparkling and it's... I mean, there's icicles as thick as my fist holding on above the porch, and I'm just... Every time... Every time, it's like it was just spring. Just now. I don't know how time passes so fast, right? Anyway, the soldier has been saying this is going to be the longest, coldest winter in years. That's what his joints say, and his joints are... Surprisingly accurate a lot of the time, so I suppose I uh, I should enjoy the kind of um, the early glow as long as I can. Uh, what else happened this week? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, the hens are better. The scientist worked her magic, and one of the sick ones is back to giving eggs again. So the kids obviously ecstatic about that. It's lucky. Actually, because the scientist is also starting the kid on trigonometry, and she hates it. 
really hates it. So she needed a win this week to, uh, you know, to counterbalance all the, uh, the theorems. <laughs> As for the cook, she always seems a little down and out at the start of winter, but of course it's tough to tell with her, so that's where everybody is right now. <gasps> And that'll be the soldier fixing the hen house, which he's been working on for uh, two weeks now, I guess. Three. Hold on, let me check. And the rain is finally over, thank God. The goat's milk is pretty thin, which we're trying not to worry about. So sunburned. I look like I'm covered in cornflakes or something. It is not cute. 397, where we are eating potatoes for the fourth straight day. And the soldier appears to be completely disassembling the hen house. Not sure why. He says it's wobbly, and I say he's neurotic. Yeah, two weeks. Two straight weeks of hammering. This actually reminds me, though, next week marks the 400th week since I started doing these check-ins. Hooray! And I'm trying to figure out something special to do. Not often you get to do a quatre, uh, quadricentennial? Quadricentennial. I, I don't know. Um, anyway, that doesn't happen every day. Maybe I'll do interviews with the- The fence is loose up by the peas! What? Uh, uh, give me a second. <laughs> That's it for the day. Signing off. Okay, uh, start again? What's happening? I said, the fence is loose out by the peas. And between that and the messed up mud by the river and... And the goat's been weird too. Okay, like, jumpy? So, I'm pretty sure there's a coyote coming out of the woods at night, or a wolf, or something. And I know nobody else is taking this seriously, but I really think... I'm taking you seriously? I... Really? Yeah, let's go take a look. I'll get my boots on. One moment. Oh, okay. Um, thanks. What were you working on? Just my weekly update. A compilation of photographic book jackets, published 2035. Hey, put that back. Here. If the scientist sees you reading any of this, she'll be on my case. Fine. What's the archive even here for if I can't look at anything? Believe me, I've asked her that a million times. Maybe if you take it up with her, she'd listen. Oh, but don't actually do that, though she'll think I put you up to it. <laughs> Alright, uh, you gonna show me that fence or what? Uh, are you sure the goat didn't do this herself? Yeah, why would the goat mess up a fence post? I mean... I'm not suggesting there's some secret goat motive, just that maybe she could have bumped it free by accident. It doesn't look like we hammered it in right. So I'm just making things up? Hey, I didn't say that. It could be any number of things. I just... I just don't know that it's a threat. Huh? We don't want to get all worked up over nothing. You know how the soldier gets. Yeah, I know. So what else could it be? I don't know. A strong wind? A weak bear? <laughs> ghosts, maybe? Really bored ghosts? Or aliens. You know what? Yes, it's probably aliens. 
the fence aliens. We are the fence aliens from Jupiter. We come to steal your fences. Oh no, too bad I've contacted the wire aliens from Mercury to foil your plot. Or it could be... What if it's a person? Listen, point is, it's nothing to worry about, okay? But it's getting dark and I think the cook's already making dinner, so... I'm gonna go. Yeah, help her with the... With that, would you mind hunting the patch and making sure we didn't miss any pea pods? I think it's going to snow tonight, so last chance. Okay. Um, I I didn't mean- I'll see you in there. Knock, knock. Cook, culinary goddess. How's it going? Oh, come on. I'm sure it's great. Definitely. Did you put mushrooms in, though? I don't tell you often enough that you are the best. Hey, listen, I have a question. It's about the kid. No, nothing like that. It's just... You know how she's been talking about thinking there's something in the woods? Yeah, well... We were just out near the peas, and she asked if it could be another person. I mean, what do you think I said? I stammered like an idiot and made up an excuse to leave. I don't know. I feel... weird? Guilty, maybe? That we haven't told her more? She's 13. I think she's old enough. I mean, I was only 16 when it happened. I think it's questionable that we treat her like an adult in basically every single way around the farm except this. We're as good as her parents, you know? Isn't that part of a parent's job, telling your kid about the world? I know. I I should, but there'll be a nightmare about it. Sorry, but you know it's true. They're both gonna fight me on this. I can't even get the scientist to tell me about what she did before. You're right. Okay. When they come in, then, but I'm not looking forward to it. Will you back me up? Someday you'll get tired of being Switzerland. Also, can I try some of that? I'm starving. Careful you don't break any eggs. Jesus Christ, dog. What have I told you about sneaking up on me? Sorry, I'm just looking out for the safety of the eggs among us. (laughs) Well, we're going to steal them no matter what, so... Looks like you need to do a better job of that. God, my thumb. I swear I think you do this on purpose. Me? Scare you on purpose? Would I ever? Yeah, you and the kid both. Have you seen her, by the way? I think she's been fooling around in the woods all day. I told her to coil up the fence wire for the season. Once it snows, we're going to have a real time of digging it out. I told the archivist, you know, I can feel it, you know. Snow's coming. Feel it in my hands. Probably five inches, maybe more. Your hands must be freezing. Don't you have gloves? Uh, I, I wore them through last winter. Remember? It's fine. I'll make do. Or you could wear these. Hey, Doc, where, where did you get... Did you make these? You know that coat kid grew out of? Voila. They have a layer of foil for insulation, too. Try them on. 
Mm, and they're, they're warm. Now, this isn't some sort of passive-aggressive hint, is it? What hint? That I should have made a scavenger trip to the city before it got properly cold? Sarge, I'm not that cryptic. Mm-hmm. Sure you're not. Well, look, th- thanks for these. I owe you one. You done for the day? Let's get inside. Well, I guess I am now. Here, help me up. So, I used the edge of... Get this. The edge of an old penny to get it started. And... Recording anywhere! (laughs) The great thing is... Evening to you two. Everything good? Good. Yeah, definitely. What are you holding? Oh, this... Nothing. I, I was... Just showing the cook, I got a tape recorder to work. Hmm. Cook, she's not trying to drag you into her time wasting, is she? It's not a waste of time. Oh, really? Can we eat your recordings? Do they keep us warm at night? Why do you always say stuff like that? Just because you can't eat something doesn't mean it's... These are going to be a part of history, okay? Everything I'm scrapbooking and putting together is invaluable. To whom, exactly? To... Anyone, okay? Anyone who might find it. Find it? Hang on. You're doing all this to benefit hypothetical people 50, 70, 100 years from now? We've got a winter coming up right now. Could be nobody ever winds up listening to what you're doing. Huh. Great. More of this depressing I'm not depressing. I'm being realistic. This takes up too much time being what it is. A vanity project. Come on now, Doc. That's... Sorry. I didn't mean that. I just meant, I thought we had an agreement, right? When we talked before, we agreed you could do all this if you kept it in the shed away from where it'll distract everybody else. Well, that's already unfair because, you know, the weatherproofing isn't great out there and some of those pages are delicate. And now she's sulking. Okay. Well, you don't have to be so hard on her. Listen, just keep that record with the rest of your things, okay? Why? Well... The scientist is right. We gotta set an example for the kid. Personal projects should come second. That goes for all of us. And yours keep coming first. I wanted to talk to you too about the kid, actually. What about her? Is she alright? Yeah, she's okay. I've just... I've been thinking. Isn't it time we let her sit down with us and... Ask us some questions about, you know, everything. What? Where is this coming from? She brought up other people again today, and I... And I bet you didn't discourage her at all. This isn't about me. This is about her. I don't see why we need to have some sort of big talk. She's smart. She's probably figured out more than we give her credit for. Maybe. But are you willing to test that by giving her the chance to ask anything? I just don't think there's a reason to break open the subject. What good does it do a kid, knowing things like that? Knowing who she is, for a start. Where she came from, what she's growing up in, what she's missing. But that's what I'm saying. You want to tell her what she's missing? Risk having her pining after something she'll never have? I don't know. I I just think she deserves the chance to pick for herself. She's not that much of a kid anymore, and I... Honestly... I'm tired of stepping so carefully around it and snatching my logbooks and records out of her hands whenever she gets curious and and talking in code all the time, just 
because just so in what case, you're saying I, is it all comes back to you again your comfort your wants maybe if you focus on something more pragmatic than compiling these these scraps of an irrelevant world you wouldn't have to worry about hiding anything so i'm selfish are you kidding don't pretend you're thinking about the kid here and not your own issues. You're so hung up on what happened, you can't even look at it in the eye. And you're letting that shape her whole world. <laughs> um, I got like six peapods. Get in here. It's cold out there. I'll take those. What were you yelling about? Sit down, okay? Am I in trouble? No. No. We were just talking about, um... Well, your birthday is coming up, and you're going to be 14. That's big, huh? <laughs> I... Look, what I'm saying is, when you were really young, we used to tell you there were some things we'd tell you when you're older, and... I don't remember that. See? She doesn't want Would to. Would you just let her talk? If you... <sighs> Sorry cook sorry is this something you want to know kid is um is this because i said it was a person in the woods earlier because if that's the reason you should know i wasn't really being serious you know there's nobody else out there it was a joke i mean i also said it was aliens (laughs) right (laughs) i right but uh do you want to know how we found you Yeah. I mean, if you want to tell me. Well, it's the cook story. Cook, do you want to... Of course I can. Ah, okay. Well, this was 13 years ago now. Twelve and a half. Something like that. Not long after, but long enough so the cities were... Well, the illness spread fast. It's it's tough to describe how fast. The, The scope of the thing was... But these cities used to have millions of people. And this was, how long, Cook? A few weeks? And most everybody was delirious, or worse already. So the Cook had quarantined herself those weeks. But now that things were settling, getting less violent, she decided to head out of the city. It was raining that day. Sorry, not not raining, overcast. So the Cook was picking through the outskirts on her way out. Even there, it was dead silent. Not even rats left. Because there was a strain that hit them too by then. And in all that quiet, the cook heard a sound. She thought it was a dog at first, some stray. Then she came around the side of this house and saw you sitting in an open garage. And she just knew that after that moment, everything was going to be different. She couldn't leave you. The way she tells it, just as she saw you, The sun came through the clouds and lit you right up. Hmm, sounds like artistic license to me. I like it. Did you, Cook, you didn't see my parents, did you? Right, yeah, of course they were. Sorry. You okay, kiddo? Fine, um, let's eat, I'm starving. Cook's right. We still gotta update that chore chart, kid. For now, can you set the table? Got it.
Where'd you get the gloves, Sarge? Oh, Doc made them. There's foil in here. They're nice. Thanks. I didn't know you could sew. I'll, um, I'll show you sometime. Sounds good. Yeah. Do I get new gloves? <sighs> yeah, they're upstairs. Ah, nuts. Did I ruin a surprise? You hate surprises. <laughs> Kid's got a point. Mmm. This is delicious, by the way. You outdid yourself again, Cook. What is this? Well, I, I hope we have plenty more. Do you hear something? Gotta be that branch again. Yeah, the wind was getting pretty bad out there. I'll trim that tree tomorrow. Right. It, it just sort of sounded like... Um, what is that? Nobody move. But... I said stay here. Sarge? I'll get it. Hello? Um, wow, uh, I just saw the, the light on in and I just can't believe... Oh, sorry, uh, let, let me start over. Hello, it's snowing and this smells amazing. Do you think, um, is there any chance I could trouble you for a, a bite to eat? Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of our show. This episode was written by Rianoch Robinson, and it stars Devin T. Lever as the archivist, Arnold Coleman as the soldier, Allison McGrath as the scientist, Haley Bird as the kid, and Balian as the traveler. If you like our show and you'd like to support our work, first let me say thank you, and second, there are tons of ways to do that. For example, you could tell a friend about the show or leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, first of all, let me say thank you again, and second, there are ways to do that, both on Patreon and Coffee, which might be pronounced Kofi, I'm not really sure. Either way, you can find all the links and details on our website, stilllivespodcast.com. Lastly, if you'd like to get in touch, you can follow us on Twitter at stilllivespod, email us at stilllivespodcast at gmail.com, or join our Discord server. There's a link to that on our website. One more time, thanks so much for listening. All right, that's the end of the episode. What did you all think? Huh, a really interesting story, like the bones of it. We were getting little drips and drabs and having a lot of our suspicions confirmed. Probably the most difficult part for me that was holding me back from real suspension of disbelief were, was the avoidance of names. Like, I could tell that everybody was moving towards titles, but I don't really believe that humans would do that. Yeah, I, I agree. It was very awkward, especially like when you're the archivist and you're recording, recording people's occupations, what they do, what they did in a previous life even makes a lot of sense. When you're interacting with them and speaking to them, having no way of, of demonstrating familiarity at all, it, it felt very awkward. I do think that it could go that route eventually, where people are just using titles, especially in a small community. But from what they were saying, it's only been like 12 years since whatever disaster happened, that sickness that they mentioned toward the end occurred. And I definitely can't see it happening that quickly. Exactly. Like, I think in 12 years, if anything, the way we are as people, we create groups. That's how we have survived. That's how we're safe. And we create familiarities and and bonds and terms of endearment and affection. Names are important to people. Um, so 
I do try with like first episodes, like there were a couple of things that jarred me, like the lack of names or the way they responded to the cook. We all kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, how we could have used more sound effects for her or what really bothered me was the spacing in between the responses mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. cook. And we discussed a couple of possibilities, but like basically with the first episode, I always try to give them the benefit of the doubt to tell me why I'm not comfortable with that. So maybe like they don't use names, not because of a society thing, but maybe it was part of the sickness. Maybe they're like making up a new sickness where like, if they had disassociated from like their birth name or something, they survived Hmm. or like the two-year-old obviously doesn't know its name necessarily or have ties to its own name. You know, something weird like that. Or like we were discussing what cook could be like a robot or I thought psychic, which is why they could respond so quickly. So, you know, I, I agree. And where I was kind of like disconnected from the story by those couple things, but I'm just waiting. I'm waiting to see what happens in episode two and three. Well, I see where you're coming from with that, and I do think a little more space to reflect and see where they're going would help. It still felt like not only did it feel kind of artificial, but it also wasn't consistent. For instance, the character referred to as the soldier was alternately the soldier and Sarge. And Sarge felt very natural. I could see someone who was a soldier, was a sergeant, being referred to as that, as as Verity was saying, a pet name. But... There there was no internal consistency. No one else had a nickname. I mean, with possibly the exception of the archivist and Doc, which I'm not sure if Doc was Doctor or if the archivist was off, off screen and was a different character or Doc and the archivist were the same person. Yeah, it became very unclear. And it wasn't honestly until the very end when it listed the players um, where I was like, oh, Doc must be the archivist. Um I, I agree with you that there were some places where they definitely needed to have a little bit more natural spacing. Um, and and they tried to use conversation overlap a lot in this. And sometimes they were successful. A lot of the time, they really needed to have planned in their script to interrupt. Interrupting is really difficult to make sound natural because people don't stop talking instantly the second that you interrupt them. There's still something they were trying to communicate. So you have to be, your, your timing has to be really exact on that. And there were a few places where they weren't quite there, but I was interested enough to see where they were going. And speaking of interruption, I know that in our own productions, we've tried multiple different techniques in order to make it sound good. And it's tough. It's really tough. And I'm willing to cut a lot of slack on that. But because it's tough, relying on it so much in the script makes it really obvious that there's a problem that they haven't quite nailed technically yet. Uh, One of the things I think will help that is um, another thing that's really hard, especially if you're a new troop feeling each other out. And this is kind of a meta thought. These people in this story are supposed to know each other really well. They know all their mm-hmm. uh, mannerisms. They know all their idiosyncrasies. They know each other really well. And a lot of these conversations should be ones I've had a hundred times. So if it's a new group kind of feeling each other out, kind of like performing together, even if they've been performing a little bit, sometimes it can be hard to have that um, that genuine feel, that back and forth that I feel like, I mean, you know, we, we get that sometimes. Like, I feel like we really mesh, but we work really hard and have known each other for several years So I feel like the more the story goes on, the more that will become more genuine as they both become more comfortable with the characters and become more comfortable with themselves. 
And I feel like they were trying to do that. Um, I, I think that I'm very interested in the character of the cook the kind of unspoken character of the cook. Um, I want to talk a little bit about sound effects. And LJ talked about this a little bit in the beginning. We felt very strongly that, um, that we wished there was something so, like the sound of of fabric rustling or more pots and pans moving. They had one sound effect to indicate when the cook disagreed with a statement. Um, and they showed beautiful sound effects during the dinner everyone was having, but it made it even more apparent in earlier conversations that that there was a lack of anything. Even if this is a choice to have a character that's signing entirely, which I think is, is a great and bold choice, there would be possible sounds of like exasperated breath or body movement. Like it's not just flat nothingness and it would really help the uh, the listener know what was going on with a little bit more. That's an excellent point, Verity, and that's something that I thought that was really kind of glaring. Um, yeah, potentially this character is nonverbal, um, which uh, would be a wonderful, interesting story device. And again, like they can still breathe, even if they're um, lacking any means of making any kind of vocalization, they can breathe or they could. Um, we heard the rattling of the pan, but there was no, nothing else, no knocking or foot stepping or any other patterns that they would have very naturally developed to communicate. Getting back to one of the story elements that was brought up earlier, the fact that they are isolated, that they are so close, that there are only just a handful of them in this little community that they've built. I mean, just looking back at earlier this evening prior to recording, the five of us were hanging out, having a good time, just talking, enjoying each other's company. And Austin, I can't see referring to you as the woodworker mm. or... The dramaturge, or the mother, or the irritating pain in the ass. Of course, that could be Scooter or me. So, <laughs> regardless, it, it just it feels artificial. And in a short term, I couldn't see it. And in a long term, I really couldn't mm -hmm. see it. It just the more I think about it, the more it just feels like it would grate on me. And I probably want to kick that person out of the community. Speaking of that, I'm very confused as to the scientist who read as very much one note. Like there there was an undertone of just irritation. And we didn't know where the irritation was from, but there was just annoyed at the archivist the entire time. And it didn't have a real point. And it wasn't over the top, like really angry, nor was it like sarcastic dry. I felt like a choice needed to be made there. Um, and and the choice just hasn't happened yet. So I would like to see that actor or or the director in this case pick a direction and go for it. Yeah, I mean, particularly after 12 years, um, what you're saying where there was no choice, like this still felt very much like there was an active tension instead of one that had um, matured, developed, been solved or become a natural part of their dynamic and every interaction felt pretty jarring and everybody kind of like choked up a little bit paused a little bit which to me i think was an indication of the newness or the rawness of that instead of uh i don't know a polished interaction between them and the voices of the scientist and the archivist were very similar in their in their tone in their cadence like the way they delivered their lines was similar enough that for a second we all had a moment of is this a new character or is it the same character trying a voice? And I, I will say I really enjoyed just listening to the soldier. 
I liked the tone of his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I I think there were a couple places where some technical things could have been fixed, but I wanted to listen to him more. I just wanted to say that I think it's a bold choice to use an actual kid um, for such a main character, and I applaud it. I think the kid was really well done. I think there was very minor enunciation issues, and honestly, n- like not even important because sometimes kids just ramble. And and I thought the performance was really good. I thought the back and forth between the kid and the other characters was really d- good. So I think that was a really nice choice. Mm. I especially think that the interactions between the archivist and the kid felt very natural, like they had that long-term relationship that has been mentioned by both Verity and Austin. And going back to something a little different, the title, I, I really like how it fit in with the story that they seem to be telling, where it's kind of a slice of life of this post-apocalyptic world. So it is kind of a still life. But I also like something that isn't immediately apparent because None of the rest of you have read some of the background stuff, whereas I actually had to to prepare some of it. And the pronunciation of the title, while we're saying still life or still lives, it could also be still lives. And that was something that was intentionally done as an ambiguous thing by the showrunners. And it makes me curious to see where they're going with it. I thought it was still lives. Maybe it Mm. is. Bum, bum. So I do... One thing did strike me as really funny. This is a post-apocalyptic type of world being described, and there's a chore chart. And having just recently made a chore chart, hats off to whoever in this world where you're worrying about goats. You're like, all right, I'm taking the time to like write things down on whatever sticks and paste them on this board and make sure everyone does their chores. Well, you've got to milk the seven-headed goat. Otherwise, you're not going to have the seven-headed goat milk. (laughs) And the other thing, they just finished describing this terrible way in which the kid was found. And then there's a knock on the door. Wouldn't you be a little bit more surprised and suspicious of who the fuck is at my door? The soldier sounded suspicious, but not to a degree that felt believable. There should have been alarm. Mm. I I expected a lot more attention from people who were just making a big deal about how, yeah, there are no other people in the world. Surprise. What? Wasn't that one of the the famous, you know, what's one of the scary short stories ever of you're alone in a room, there's a knock on the door, like you're Mm -hmm. the last person alive on earth, but there's a knock on the door. Mm -hmm. So shouldn't it be scarier? Or at least something or. Yeah, at least a little bit more upsetting. Mm hmm. And why was he British? And so polite. I struggled so hard to believe that kind of well-meaning, bumbling cheeriness in a world where you think everyone else is dead. I could believe he's British. I could believe he's polite. But again, he was like, oh, hey, what's up, neighbors? That smells great. Not like, hello, I'm sharing in this extraordinary moment where we'd learned that we're not alone in the world. Maybe he'd been like trying for weeks. He's he knew they were there. He's like, okay, how do I like fucking talk to these people? <laughs> He's like, okay, just play it cool. I got this one. Oh, hello. That smells delicious. Fuck. <laughs> like, it's, it's the yawn hug. Uh, oh no. He's just he just fell fucking flat. It's like trying to hit on someone at the metro. It's never gonna go well. Oh. But like, gosh. hello, I too like books. <laughs> hello, I too lived through this horrible thing. That smells delicious, by the way. I like, have successfully hit on people at the subway. 
shut the front door. Hmm. It's Scooter. Of course he has. I have gotten phone numbers as well. It happens, but you you know. It's a lot harder, though. Scooter does like exploring tunnels. I've never even had a drink bought for me, so. Does it count if it's somebody you know or not? It really doesn't. Hmm. I'm like going the, to buy you a drink. Yeah, no, but I know you. So? <laughs> no, like the the whole thing is there's this stereotype that women get drinks from like strange men at bars. It doesn't happen. I'm no. strange. <laughs> and Accurate. All right. But back to the <laughs> so, point. We can. Oh, I'm so sorry, Birdie. Uh, back to the point. Yeah, I feel like. Hi, I'm hungry. Help. Anything along those lines might have been better than, oh, pardon me. Yes, that smells lovely. It can be very upsetting and terrifying to meet somebody who is overconfident for the situation. And I think that was something that really staggered me was like, yeah, he's not saying I'm hungry. I'm vulnerable. I'm trying to get through this world. He was like perfect. He was comfortable enough to be bumbling and endearing. And that was... To me, that would feel more like a trap than anything else. Almost like he's getting ready to eat them. Yeah. Yes, maybe he's the big bad evil. Maybe he's the thing that happened. Maybe there was like, I mean, I I know nothing. Uh, Like I went in blind. So I'm thinking, you know, I was like, oh, obviously Cook is psychic. I don't know what happened to these people, but maybe this guy went through a time warp and he's only been lost in the woods for 15 minutes. Like... (sighs) Right? Maybe he was just like, oh, shit, there's people over there. Hi, I'm so sorry to, like, intrude. And they're like, you're the only people. And he's like, what are you talking about? It, it could be like that one M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong movie. Uh, where the, the village? Yeah, where it, it's not actually real. Hmm. You mean the James Newton Howard music video? Sure. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got broken. <laughs> sorry. What do you mean, God? Also, I liked The Village. I did, too. I thought it was pretty damn good. But anyway. I'm sorry, what? I loved The Village. How did you like The Village? Because it has a great soundtrack, Scooter. It has a great soundtrack, The best violinist in the world plays on it. He likes us. I mean, that that already says questionable things about his taste. (laughs) And his village. I did also watch it when I was much younger. I can give it another watch recently, but it's not going to hit the same. It takes at The Village. Yeah, I will say like that it's a first episode, so anything could happen from here. And Mm -hmm. all of us were like, yeah, I still want to listen to the second episode and find out more about what's going on, even with the couple problems that we had with it. Mm -hmm. I I would say, uh, apropos of nothing else, there are so many unanswered questions. Um, Yeah, I'm not particularly interested in the uh, tension between the scientist and the archivist that did seem forced, but can probably get better. But my big all consuming question is just like, give me more info. 12 years. How did you do it? Why did you have to? And who are all of you really? And how are you working together? Yeah. Did they ever describe what the apocalypse was? Was it zombies? They said a strain. So I'm thinking disease. They did say sickness. Yeah. but... But we don't know the illness. Also, how fortuitous that they got one of different, all these different skill sets. Well, you could look at it that way, or you could look at it as otherwise they all would have been dead. So the only way for the story to happen would be for those people to have lived. Sure. And it's not like these are the most ideal of skill sets. Like, I know if I'm setting up my zombie team, I'm not like, man, get me an archivist for this. (laughs) I'd rather have a weaver. 
<laughs> you mean a giant spider? Oh. Scooter endearing himself to the team in case of eventual apocalypse. We'll have a Nancy of that. Oh my god, my brain. So you're saying we need a Nancy equator? Mm. Oh. oh, why does this happen every time? You, you asked, asked for, for it. it. Yeah. It's <laughs> and remember, kids, consent is key. I did not consent to any of those puns. You obviously didn't read what you signed. Dang it. I I also I why, why, why do women always have to be like, oh, no, we're going to have the two women that are going to be fighting with each other. And that's clearly mm. going to be their dynamic. Who is writing this still? Like, why? Why is that always the thing? LJ and I, we are two women here. We are. We, we do not sit here and like have all of this weird tension and undercurrent of competition. I mean, it's not Women hostile. supporting women, 2020. Exactly. Women supporting women. Honestly, we're, we're a pretty supportive group overall. That's true. We're like bras. No, bras <laughs> hurt and suck and haven't... Ugh. Well, I mean, we if you ask me nicely... Oh, God. We're like gentle, friendly hands. Is that better? I would say we're like feminists. Yeah. We're like feminists. I'm not like a feminist. We're all feminists. <laughs> Verity. Yeah. There's a th- there's a website called Sanita Athletics. Uh-huh. All of their sports bras are super comfy and have pockets. They have pockets. They have fucking pockets. This is not a sponsor. You heard but it we're here, folks. <laughs> Arthur, I have pockets. This changes everything. <laughs> They're not a sponsor yet. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not against it. I mean, like... That'd be a super wonderful spin, though. Like, because we support women, and we feel all women should be supported. Sunita Athletics. Sunita Athletics. (laughs) It has pockets. (laughs) It has pockets, really, (laughs) is the selling point. Well, Well, that and comfort. Yeah, but I've not found something that doesn't end up hurting my neck and shoulders. I'll I'll course it up before I put a bra on anymore. You need two children to hold their hands up and walk backwards. Cherubs. That way it's more like a renaissance painting. That got creepy. That a, got creepy real fast. A bra company called Atlas. Oh, uh, huh. I love it. For your over-the-shoulder boulder holders? That got weirder now. Story. Thanks. Story. <laughs> Wait, what? The story. <laughs> we somehow ended on oh. breasts. Right. Let's go back to the goats or the alien goats. The seven-headed goats. Never finish on the breasts. What? <laughs> <Max>. <laughs> No, we had gotten back to the goat. Damn you, Baskin! That was pretty good. I liked that. Thank you. Also inaccurate. Well, yeah, but it fit. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> guys, guys, <laughs> we we almost got back to the seven-headed goats. You, you know, I've heard of social lubricant, but this is ridiculous. How, nope, nope. How about let's get some individual opinions? Max, what did you think? Uh, overall, I... It had its high points. It had its low points. I think that it was very listenable. The performances were largely pretty good with the, I I think, the scientist being the one that I'd really like to hear more from. The sound effects, especially the atmospheric stuff, needs to be stepped up. But first episode, making allowances, I think it's worth another listen to see where it's going. Story, overall, pretty good. I'd give it um, four tentacles up. Four out of five tentacles? Yes. Okay. LJ? So uh, I agree that it was it was a first episode, but it was a very good first episode that shows a lot of promise. I think there is room for growth, but I think that everybody showed aptitude for um, getting better and better and better. And I am very interested in this story. I think that it could um, 
go somewhere really exciting. I think that everybody uh, is going to mesh really well together. I'm very confident in your podcasting journey. So I'm so glad that we got, we shared, they shared that with us. So I'm going to say three out of five Peapods. Verity. Take some time, figure out who you are as a character, spend some time together just hanging out and talking in character or otherwise to get more comfortable with each other and you'll sound more comfortable behind the mic. But I definitely want to hear more from you. I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, so even the the little bits that we recognized as as challenges to to improve upon, I don't think take away from how listenable it is. So I would agree. I would go with uh, three out of five gold blooms. Austin? Uh, we've got so much really great and compelling media out there. It can be very hard to hook people in the first few episodes. And I think this did a great job of giving us some questions that we're like really dying to have answered. Um, as everybody brought up, first episode, um, technical questions, uh decisions about what character motivations are were a little muddy um but i'd be willing to give it a listen and the fact that they are almost like popcorn chicken of episodes where this was like 20 minutes yeah i could definitely spend a lot of time uh even in just little bursts figuring out what happened next so i'm gonna say five and a half out of eight spider legs it's an odd scale that's how it's we an do it at a Nazi scale. Five and a half out of eight spider legs. <laughs> Actually, it's an even scale because eight. Uh. Oh. I was going to say that I enjoyed it. I felt like it needed to have a little bit more tension to bring me back for further episodes. I felt like it was a pretty solid first episode. I really, it bothers me that there was not more footsteps and general room noises when they're supposed to be like three or four people actively doing something in a room. Um, towards the end, I felt that less, but in the first half, it was very, like, I could feel it. And it felt off, like, like parts of it were recording or... It, it, it didn't feel right for the rest of the... for what they're trying to do. But in general, I really liked it. I'm going to give it, uh, I think, three and a half... Yeah, three and a half out of five weasels. That being said, as far as noises go... Uh, I've got to say, as I'm feeling like an old timer anyway, around all you dang kids, um, I really liked the tape rewind noises and the general recording that was, uh, started off everything. Yeah, the sound effects they did have, and we all agree there should have been more of them, were very good, except for one, which was the pop bubbling noise, which sounded very, very fake. Um, but but the tape recorder noise was great and also made me question, what year is it? Um, which is a good question to have. The fire crackling noise I really liked. The plates and, and shuffling on the table was really nice. Yeah, actually pointing that out, I have to bring my thing up to a four out of five weasels. What, you don't like the weasel scale? Half a weasel's just Head messy. Lumps and weasels. Oh, They're very confusals. <laughs> okay, I'm changing the scale over to five, four to five confusals. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> They don't know which way they're going. Confusal, my woozle. <laughs> this is a family been show. Hammering for weeks. This is not a family show. We have we have said fuck at least twice. I, we have. Whoops. Well, my head's stuck in the honey jar. Audio drama showcase stop being a family show like episode two. Or did you mean honey pot? Well, wasn't it the Byron Chronicles where they're just throwing babies against walls and ish like yes, that? Like what that the one. hell? Also, that one. Also, I'm still bitter about the Tourette's thing. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I'm I think, bitter. I missed the I think baby flinging. We didn't need Stop. to have me go off about that one again. Go listen to some of our older episodes, and yeah. Well, do you want to hear Verity get angry? And that goes for you too, viewers or listeners or I don't know. I think viewer is appropriate. Consumers. It's not. Watchers? Consumers is true. Consumers. 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 Consume. Oh, that's terrifying. This episode was brought to you by Donut Daddy. Why have a sugar daddy when you can have a donut daddy? Pouring that sugar on you since 1987. That was The Quiet from the show Still Lives or Still Lives. Your choice. To find out more, go to www.stilllivespodcast.com. This has been Audio Drama Showcase. For more episodes and information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Anansi Storytime, The Fairytale Audio Drama, and Geek Core Radio, that podcast for listening to music that your parents are probably not going to like. Unless they're cool, then in that case, tell them I said hi. Thanks for listening, and high five. We made it. Alien Goats!